It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up? What's going on? What's good, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. This is Lax Class 147 coming your way here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. As we're back for another week, another week means another class here. As it's Jake Elliott and back once again in the co-host chair, it's the owner, president, and general manager of the Toronto Rock one, Jimmy Dowick. Uh, JD, welcome back. Sorry, my voice is a little raspy here after calling some lacrosse last night at Queen's Park, which we will talk about here on this episode. But uh, let's get you in. How's it going back there in in the realville or Oakville? Like you, you, you think Oakville is the realville, right? Well, it is to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? How's it going? I, I'm good, buddy. How you doing? I'm good, man. Um... You know, I'm, I mean, we're here on a Monday, and it's a high overcast day. I'm actually heading out of town tomorrow, so I'm glad we're getting this done here to get it out to the people. But uh, had a pretty good weekend, man. Called uh, called some lacrosse Friday, called some lacrosse Sunday, got a little disc golf in, just finished uh, banging out a little kettlebell workout in my living room here, and now I'm getting all hopped up on caffeine uh, recording Lax Glass with you. So things are doing doing pretty good here. How about you? Nice. Well, I'm just, uh, you know, obviously we had uh, the draft over the weekend, so so that was kind of uh, a big weekend event. Yeah, but, I didn't uh, even mention that. I can't believe that was my Saturday, essentially. I just did nothing <laughs> and hunkered down and waited for the draft. Yeah, so uh, not a lot else other than that, but uh, no complaints. Weather's starting to cool off a little bit here what about the golf we, game is that still heating up or did you get out what what have you been doing it then? was yeah i was i was away at that member just at the end of last week right uh, right you know I, I i i did my part um okay it was it was a two-man event we didn't we didn't have the best uh weekend as a whole but we we did okay so uh no complaints no complaints taking a couple days off here and uh Sure, we'll be back out at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get it in while you can, because we were just kind of well, talking sure. before. Yeah, the weather is starting to take a little turns, getting a little like I almost threw on the the long sleeve uh, on Sunday morning because I was in the shade. It warmed up in the sun, obviously, but I was kind of like, oh, like first time I'd really felt uh, the the start of fall creeping in, which is. You know, like, it's been an amazing summer, man. Like, it's day after day after day of sun here. But I'm almost, like, I feel like I'm ready for fall. And part of that is is because you get that, that taste of uh, training camp on the horizon and, and closer to the NLL season. Yeah, I'm a big NFL guy, too. Right, so, yeah, Broncos know, like, guy, uh, right? How are the Broncos looking? Hey, man, I'm the wrong guy to ask because I'm always pretty optimistic. <laughs> going, to, going, to, going to the Super Bowl every year. Yeah, no, we're always going 16 and oh, I guess 17 and oh, this year. right. Uh, you know, I think their I think their defense is going to be really, really good if everyone can stay healthy. And we got a few questions about the offense, but you know, I don't know about the quarterback decision they made. But well, hey, I'm not the GM of that team, so I trust <laughs> the people that are making those decisions, and hopefully they're right. So uh, 
you know, tough when the Chiefs are in your division because they're uh, yeah, yeah, they're the a class wagon. of the league. So that makes it really tough to begin with. But no uh, doubt, I'm I'm optimistic. Yeah, as am I. I'm a big Seahawks fan. I've been one. You know, I'm not one of these Hawks fans that just kind of hopped on board when Russell Wilson got there and they won the Super Bowl. I I've been I've been with them here. Steve Largent. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Dave Craig, Jim Zorn, Kenny Easley, Jacob yeah. Nash, all the boys back there. Like I'm talking like '83 is when I became a Hawks fan. And the only reason I did was because, like, I'd wake up Sunday morning and that was the only game that was offered on our cable package, right? We get yeah. uh, we get a Seattle channel and, and it was, you know, it was over from, from then on in. So, well, so the same thing around here for most people in the Bills, right? Right, it was, right. Uh, you'd get the Bills games because they were the local. you get the local game and, and that was about it back in the day. So I, I understand what you're saying there for sure. So, Jamie, we got a big program coming up here. We got our Stampede Stallion of the Week. It's your selection, and I like it. Uh, if you listen to episode 146, you might have a little bit of a clue who it might be. So um, think about that. And then, of course, Quick Sticks in, in quarter number three. Our last Hall of Famer. So we're going to have to talk after this, Jamie, and, and maybe we go back to lacrosse the nation and, and start going back into some hotbeds as we lead into training camp here. Or maybe we, we start doing some team previews and, and look at the outlook for each and every team leading up to the NLL season. We have some things to talk about, but we got our last <laughs> Hall of Famer on the program here today in quarter number two. As I know you're looking forward to this one, as am I, as Sean Willie Williams is going to join us here uh, coming up in about 20 minutes or so. I'm, I'm, this is going to be a great conversation, as they all have been. Absolutely, but Willie's a, Willie's a beauty, and uh, I look forward to, I uh, know him quite well, and look forward to chat with him for sure. Absolutely, and uh, he asked, he's like, he texted me, he's like, this is just on the phone, right? And I said, yes, but I'd st- still prefer you to to be wearing clothes when, when we conduct the interview. Show. So, <laughs> no, um, no doubt. And then, Jamie, of course, here in quarter one, we got the big focus, and, and we'll focus our attention on the NLL entry draft, which you just mentioned took place on Saturday. But before that, I always like to to kind of get at you a little bit here before we get into the big focus and ask you some questions that you are in a position to answer unlike many others being not only the owner but a president and the general manager of a professional franchise in the National Cross League is a very unique opportunity for me and for our listeners to be able to to come at you with these sort of things and you've been incredibly candid and and honest with your answers here in the last few weeks and and I know people listening really really appreciate it and I said like this is just who the guy is he doesn't know any other way so a couple of more topics I wanna I wanna cover off here, and as we saw, I guess it was probably about a year and a half now ago. Which, man, like it, I always equate things to like championships. So like, oh, I can go back and I know that uh, in 1993 the the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup, or if you you know in 2011 I remember the Canucks lost in the Stanley Cup final. Or, so I always equate things to sporting championships and who won what each year and that's how i kind of recall like or man cups mythical whatever and and now with this pandemic and sports being put on hold and seasons taking place at weird times and stuff like i've kind of lost that you know what i mean there yeah yeah it's been yeah, difficult i mean i mean uh, it is weird and 
you know, a lot of people, if you ask them quickly, who won the last championship in the NOL, I'll bet you a lot of people would get it wrong. Yeah, Calgary so Roughnecks. Times the last. There you go, defending, still defending champions, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, so, the other thing uh, is they got two two draft classes coming in, and then you got, like, free agent signings and trades and stuff that you have to recall from two years ago that, like, a guy like Greg Harnett, who signed in San Diego, never played a game in a SEALs uniform, and then now back with the Calgary Roughnecks. Like, it's hard to keep track of all that stuff. But anyways, uh, where I was going with all that is that the the NLLPA, which, who have launched a new website, which we'll talk about here as well, uh, had a leadership change, and and Courier and Reinhold, which is a player for you, have become the new executive of the of the NLLPA. And from what I can see, like it it got a little contentious with the the old guard when it came to collecting bargaining agreements and and signing new deals, and and now with this new leadership group. To me, from the outside looking in, it, it looks like it's a really good relationship and you guys are working really closely together. And I'm sure there's still going to be a little contentiousness at the, the arbitration table or whatever. But tell me about the – and you're in a unique spot because one of the guys is on your team. But tell me, I guess, what what as a whole the, the league and, and the PA's relationship is like and what the dynamic is between you and Reed being on the same franchise together. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, yes, I, listen, right off I the think, bat, Jamie. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, congrats there. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, it's I, I know Reed. I don't know Zach that well. I know him a little bit. I obviously know Reed very well. Um, a lot of respect for Reed as a person. Um, you know, guy's gone through school and gone through his programs, and he always knew kind of what he wanted to do. Yeah. And this was kind of the perfect job for him, let's say. So, um, you know, and I think, you know, and, and Zach's a Princeton kid and, and uh, you know, they're just a couple smart kids. I think it's kind of a fresh new outlook on, on everything, whereas the old group had been at it for, you know, 20, 30 years, whatever yeah, it might have been. Time. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't really, I'm not really involved in the dealings with them when I have heard, you know, through the league office. Who it, does it, deal it, with that then, Jamie? Who are the people that, that have those conversations with them? Well, there's, uh, you know, it would Jessica would definitely be involved in that. And then the people, there's a committee, okay. um, you know, that I'm not on that committee, but that would be involved in more dealing with Jessica. But I think Jessica and Max are the ones that are really communicating with uh, Zach and Reed and, and uh, you know, I've heard that it's 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 been a good working relationship so far. But you know, it's early in the relationship. When when there are issues, that's when things start to you know butt heads a little bit. But you know, I know when speaking to Reed, um, and we haven't talked too too much about it. I, I don't really you know want to take advantage of my relationship with him as a friend or as a player on my team right to get involved in the bigger picture you know like to me that should be dealt separate certain ways but i do know you know I, we've talked about it a little bit and and he understands it and he gets it and you know he understands the situation of the owners in this league and in different teams and and uh i i think it's uh he understands that we need to work together as teams and players. Um, 
it, it can't just be a one-way street. So I, I am excited about that. And, and, you know, from my standpoint on the outside looking in, you know, so far so good. Um, oh, good. Know, we, we, are, we are winding down a CVA. Yeah, I was going to – that was my next question, Jamie. When, I, I when is that up? Be the, uh, well, we've got um, – my understand – we have two years left on the deal. And then an option or something, right? I believe there's an opt-out option for the players at the end of this season or something like that. So, okay. I mean, at the very least this season, you know, in my opinion, probably most likely two, but um, – and, and then it'll be uh, – Time to time talk. To hope, hopefully do a long-term deal. Yeah, and, and you know, talking with Nick, I think, on, on the podcast here, he really believes that – like we need to put like a ten-year deal in place for the stability and the future of the league to to set it off in the right direction. Here, do you have any idea how the player association might feel about that? Are they looking for a shorter deal and and then see where the growth of the league is at, or do you think they're of the same mind that yeah, let's let's get a long-term deal and and so we know we're playing lacrosse year after year? Well, I don't. I mean, a ten-year deal would be great. But I just don't think it's realistic. I mean, you know, we think we're heading on the right path in terms of growth and this and that. You know, if things go the way they want, you know, I'm expecting big growth over the next 10 years um, in revenue and things like that. And, you know, I, I just think it's, you know, we're definitely not there now. Yeah. And it's hard to predict. So it might not be smart be. for either side to do that. Then, well, really. I, I, Yes. I mean, there obviously is benefits to both sides to doing a long-term deal, but there's also not benefits to it. And, uh, you know, to me, it's more about the working relationship and, and along as both sides understand that can't operate without the other one. And, and, um, you know, we're negotiating fairly and, and being responsible. Um, then, you know, to me, term isn't isn't the biggest issue. Um, if it's if it's a hassle to get every CBA done, like it's been in the past a little bit, then yeah, obviously you don't want them to be short term deals because you don't want to have to keep going back and doing that every year or two or whatever. But yeah. um, it's exhausting, right? You know, like it's exhausting. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure it must be. So uh, you know, hopefully things will be a little different. Like I said, I think. Uh, you know, I know Reed. Reed's got a pretty good understanding of how things work in Toronto, and and you know where how how things you know Toronto related relate to how things work around the league as well. So, sure. um, I, I, I'm confident in in them that that um, everything should be good. Good, good to hear. A uh, couple more questions here before we get to the big focus. Uh, that. The NLL schedule, we've been kind of waiting for this to drop. We know face-off weekend, December 3rd, 4th, but correct me if I'm wrong here, this really contingent, and for people that don't know, like a lot of these teams play in the same buildings as NHL and NBA teams, and in NHL's case in particular here, they are in negotiations with their PA about whether to attend the Olympics or not, so essentially the NHL has a schedule ready to go for if they do go to the Olympics or if they don't go to the Olympics. But that decision on whether they go or not has not been made yet, and that really is contingent on the NLL schedule 
because they can't lay it out until they know which schedule the NHL is going to go with. Am I am I on the right path here? You're bang on. Oh, um, nice. These these are that's that's it. Like, listen, I've lived that for ten years playing out of Scotiabank Arena. I mean, I, they can't could never give me dates until the NHL and the NBA schedules were finalized because they own those teams and they play out of that building and. You know, it's how I operate the track. That's just how it works, right? So, um, yeah, and we have teams that have, you know, NHL teams and NBA teams that play out of their buildings. So until uh, that is finalized, um, you know, the league can't put the schedule together. So it's, it is it is the same timing every year. Don't know how this, in, this Olympic uh, decision impacts timing-wise, but usually – you know, the NLL schedule gets released around the middle of September, I believe. Um, it's the wrong so schedule, because I think that decision's yeah. going to be made by the NHL, I'm hearing, within the next 7 to 10 days. Okay, so then that gives... Yeah, so we're pretty well bang, bang on schedule. It should be by about the middle of September that, um, you know, the league can can release our schedule. There you go. One more here for you, and this, this came from our friend... Pete Tellis, who's the head coach of the Junior Adnacks. And I'm just going to read this verbatim to you, Jamie, because uh, I think it's well-worded. And if I don't, then it probably won't make sense. <laughs> so he says, Jumbo, random talk- topic. I always speak to players around draft time, and lots have always had questions for me, queries that I don't really have the answers to, and lots where I don't know where what the correct answer is, such as a week prior to the draft. No teams have reached out to me. A day prior to the draft, so many teams have reached out to me. So the question, when do GMs usually reach out to players and what are the, some of the best ways to stick out to them when they do reach out to you? I know we're doing this after the draft, but I think this is this is valuable stuff here to ask a guy like you because I think there is a lot of kids that really don't know how to go into an interview with a GM of a professional lacrosse team. Yeah, and when's the best time to reach? You know, reach out to someone, or should you reach out to them? Or are they going to reach out to you? Um, you know, my, my situation's a little different than everyone else because you know I don't really have to ask an Ontario kid if he's going to be happy to play for the Toronto Rock. Yeah, you don't have to do the um, used car salesman pitch, right? But I mean, listen, it depends on on where you're picking and like. A team like if I'm picking early in the draft and I've got some choices to make, you know, we're probably going to be on top of that very early. Um, I'm definitely not calling anyone the day of the draft. If if I I need to, you know, this year was a little different for us. We only had picks, didn't pick till the fourth round. But you know, if I had all my picks like a normal year, um, you know, we definitely would have done our research you know been complete in contacting players you know at least a week ahead of the ahead of the draft um i would think and i mean i get a lot of emails from a lot of guys and you know i don't get the chance to always respond to them um because i got you know a lot of stuff going on and and sometimes especially leading up to the draft they don't i don't have time to sit there and respond to everyone but you know we see them and you know we're following along. So well, what can I, I, I'm, I'm never I'm never offended by a kid, you know. And, and some some are written better than others. But uh, you know, while I say I don't, I can't always get back to them. This and that. 
it never bothers me when a kid sends me an email and you know the hey mr dalek and just kind of explains who they are and what they've done and what their aspirations are and yeah. you know tells me where i can get more information on them if i'm interested and you know a lot of the times i pay most attention in, in ontario so you know if these kids are from bc or or american or from somewhere else you know maybe i'm not as familiar with them so you know that's one way to do it um you well, know what i think, kinda, I think what, a big thing sorry go ahead well, I was just going to say a lot. Of, I, I don't even think you know, we got to do a better job at getting out there. Who's you know? I don't think the players even really understand when. When am I draft eligible necessarily? Yeah. Do I have to declare the renunciation you know, list? How long do I right. have? Yeah. Can if I right. can I play at this school? Am I still eligible? Yeah. Exactly. There's there's and a lot. I find of, a lot of the times when I draft kids, they don't really have a clue about a lot of stuff. So. I, here's I think this is one of the things the new NLPA is rookie I handbook. Believe, I think this started something like this. Yeah, like, Travis Cornwall. Know, yeah, made there's a, a lot of a lot of stuff that these guys just don't know. And so whenever I get my rookies after we draft them, you know, I kind of explain everything to them. You know how how assume they know nothing. And kind of explain to them their, this, this situation. This is how it works. This is generally how things go along. You know, practice. You know, I just explain it all to them because they, I think I think they could have more knowledge leading up to the draft. And and you know, that's something the PLPA could probably work with them to to give them some advice on that. So I don't know if I really answered Pete's question, but. Um, you know, you can never go, like I said earlier, like, you know, I don't think you can ever go wrong by sending someone a, a well-written email stating your interest to play. And, you know, you never know. Some guys do, you know, you you do miss guys along the way. So. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, well, tell me this. What, what kind of questions, when you do talk to somebody that you're interested, what kind of questions do you ask them? And what kind of answers are you looking to hear? Well, I'm kind of interested in, you know, first and foremost with our league, I mean, you need to know what they do for a living and, you know, whether they have a real, a real job that, that they're committed to or whether they're currently just playing lacrosse as, as it's available. So that's definitely a big factor, you know, where they live, obviously. Um, and, and with drafting most guys in Ontario, that that's not a, you know, a huge factor, but, and if they don't live here, definitely a relocation relocation question because we've had a lot of bc guys on our team and and they've all moved here so you know that would definitely be a key question but you know always ask them who they can you know i one question we always ask them is like who who do you who playing in the league now do you see yourself as as a comparable player to mm. um you know because i think that's a good one for every kid and sometimes these guys have one right ready to go and sometimes they struggle to think uh think of someone so listen they're still young kids relatively when you when you talk to them maybe they get a little nervous and, and can't come up with something on the spot but you just want you know i'm just looking i want to get information about the kid and you know we can see their lacrosse stats and this and that but i want to try and give them that character idea of the right? kind of person they character. are character yeah. absolutely um, you know, life goals and, and, and go from there. So, yeah, that's good. And, and I guess the last one I'll ask you, we, we're almost 25 minutes deep here. We haven't got to the big focus yet, Jamie, but, uh, 
that's okay because I think this is valuable valuable information here for a lot of a lot of young players. And and I'll ask this: What about a player that doesn't get drafted that was really hoping to, or even a street free agent that thinks it's his turn and and he's ready for an opportunity or thinks he deserves one? What what should these guys be doing to get their foot in the door? Well, they just got to keep playing, and they got to keep playing wherever they can play. Whether you know, in a normal season, in the winter, it might be the ALL. Um, you know, summer major series, WLA. Listen, um, it's tough to get drafted in this league, but not only that, it doesn't matter. Even once you're drafted, it's almost it's it's really tough to make an NLL roster. Our, um, our rosters are so thin; we don't have a lot of practice players on it so you know even for the elite you know top high first round picks you know it's there there is some challenges to making a team so um you you, it it starts why if you don't get drafted um keep grinding just can keep keep working at it i mean dan dawson was a sixth round pick in this league and you know he he's he's breaking all these records now. I just you got to keep working at it. It's how how bad do you want it? Yeah. And I think of a guy, I think of Mike Burke. Um, yeah. You know he went through a few teams. We brought him out to camp one year. We were probably like the third or fourth team he tried out for, and he had a good camp for us, and we liked him. Um, you know, he kind of played the same spot on our team as Rob Hellier. So he, he was kind of in tough there. And I, and I can remember telling him that we didn't have a spot for him. And, and he got a little emotional and he was just like, what do I got to do? And it's like, listen, man, you just got to keep working. Like there's not a lot of spots in this yeah. league. And if you want it bad enough and you keep working hard enough, you know, you'll 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 get that opportunity. Pat and, Saunders, you know, strikes that, me as that guy. Like I, I don't know how many teams he went through tryouts and all the rest of it, and he just kept knocking on the door, knocking on the door until it became a regular NLLer. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he was a little in between there too, right? He had, uh, you know, one kind of big year, and he he was. But I think. But you know uh, what I'm saying, though, right? Like he yeah, didn't no, get, I, didn't listen, get discouraged. You just keep working at it. Yeah. And I can, I'll never forget Mike Burke in my office. And I felt bad for the kid because he didn't do anything wrong. He worked his butt off and he gave it his best and he put in a good showing, but just didn't dictate us to keep him. And, you know, I, he might have had another stop in between on his way to, I think, Rochester, now Halifax being the same team moving. And, and, and he's a regular contributor for them. So I, I, I kind of say that to all the young kids. There's a classic example. And there was a kid that, you know, was it? I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was he not a junior A MVP or at least mm-hmm. a leading scorer? Um, you know, he was definitely Touted. one of those kids that was. Yeah, was. But it took him a long time to crack the league. But he never quit, and 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 he's there now. You know, that's obviously a factor. Absolutely, and and I lied to you. I got uh, I got one more here for you. All and, right, let's and, go. and it refers to. You referred to it back like the sixth round pick, the fifth round pick, the fourth round pick, whatever it is. Like first and second rounders are usually going to have a pretty good chance to make your team. A, because they're going to be really good ball players, And B, general managers for the most part don't like missing on their first round pick. And they're going to give that guy an opportunity so they don't look 
silly, essentially. So uh, my question is for the the later round picks. Like it's like you said, extremely hard to make a team. And I and I just see like I see these guys get picked. They don't make the team. They may spend a year on the practice roster. They get invited back maybe to the next year's camp, and then they get cut, and then they get lost in the shuffle. Does does there need to be a new system or a different way for teams that draft these guys to be able to control their rights and protect them for a longer period of time and let them develop and keep them in your system? Like, is there a way that we can do this? Well, not under this business model. I mean... You know, guys don't live in their team's markets. And, you know, how can you, you know, if you're not paying a guy and you want to hold on to his rights and, you know, taking away an opportunity for them to go somewhere else and play. So, I mean, yes, it's a definite problem, but I just don't know how it's really going to change um, in the near future. And, yeah. and you know, it, it's, it's tough to develop kids. That's why, like I always say, like, you know, especially for the American teams, like, tough to take American kids. Like, you can have four guys on your practice roster. Your practice roster guys have to be ready to play if there's injuries, which generally they it's are. It's an investment, right? Like, So then you take a couple of Americans, you put them on your practice roster. So what, they get to practice for an hour and a half on a Friday night before a game when you're kind of focused on putting in power plays and this and that. Like, So how, how do you develop that kid? Uh, if they're not playing elsewhere at a different time and this and that. So th- that is a huge challenge. Um, I guess it that, goes back to the farm league thing, right, Jamie? Having a league to develop your talent in uh, so they're ready with – even, I mean, like if you want to go a step further, running the same systems and, and all the rest of it at a league lower, like a developmental league – where they can, when their number's called, they can step into a, a, the pro team and be ready and, and know what the heck is going on. Yeah, well, I think the ALLs tried to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's one thing I think Paul Paul did a good job with. I mean, he he didn't, he basically said, like, we want to be a feeder league for the NLL and develop the kids. And, and it is a place that in the winter, at least for the Ontario kids, that if they don't make an NLL team or they are on a practice roster, they can go play for one of these teams, playing NLL rules, getting some experience. And, you know, there's been times one year we went through a lot of injuries and we had to go to the ALL and get one or two guys. So, yeah. um, well, that's what you know, we're doing out West in the are XLL. Playing during our season, our season and they're in shape and they're, you know, so yeah. the, the, that's kind of the one development you know, league in the winter for, for our league. Well, yeah, and I was just about to say, Jamie, that's that's the vision of of mine for the XLL out here on the West Coast as well. So uh, discussions will be taking place, uh, and and that like that's my goal is to get get these guys that that aren't on NLL teams that want to be on NLL teams that are maybe on practice rosters, all the rest of it, full NLL rules, NLL officials, all of it. And, and have these guys ready to go out here on the West Coast as well. Yeah, I mean, your biggest factor is going to be, you know, arenas really in the winter yep. and ice. Yep. Yeah, you're right on that. Uh, that will play a factor. But uh, we, there's there's plans and discussions taking place, like I said, Jimmy, here. So, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. We're, uh, breaking news. Uh, breaking news. <laughs> yeah, I need, like, a, a breaking news sound bite when, when you do that, like, the, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, Jamie, speaking of sound bites, let's get to the big focus. 
big focus big focus focus another than a big focus focus big focus the big focus big focus big focus uh, big focus this week Jamie Dowick is the NLL entry draft we talked about it last week leading up to it it has taken place on Saturday uh, the entire Production crew, all the teams there, bang up job uh, on on the NLL entry draft, and man, like a couple of trades going down. Uh, Johnny Donville, new intern there at, at the back of the bird, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it. I heard that. Yeah, John, John the Donville, number one overall pick. Uh, Lanchbury going number two. Toga going number three to Buffalo, and and he put out a, a pretty heartfelt message on Instagram. I don't know if you saw that as well, Jamie. Uh, maybe well, let's let's jump to round four and maybe work our way backwards here. Get you in there, as you didn't pick till round number four. You go after uh, an Orangeville guy, shocking, and Devin Dunkerley. Tell me about him because I don't know a whole lot about him. Yeah, I almost didn't make it to uh, my pick. I almost fell asleep there. So <laughs> thank God I hung in there. Um, Listen, if I got to be honest with you, I don't know. I didn't know a heck of a lot about Devin Dunkerley. Obviously, his brother's the goalie in Sask. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we needed uh, we needed some guys to play for the Oakville Rock, and I I asked Bruce, being the Orangeville GM, if he had anyone for me. We already were using Bucky and uh, Little Whip out the front door, and and he said to me, he said, "Hey, take this Devin Dunkerley kid." I can tell you one thing: he, he'll 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 work hard and he'll give you everything he's got, and he won't he won't he won't hurt you. So okay, we'll take him, and and we took him, and he played. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, three, four, five games for us, but I was super impressed with the way the kid played. Not a big kid, just you know, one of those guys. It was I was amazed. He always kind of came out with the loose ball. So that sounds um, like an Orangeville kid if I've ever heard one. Yeah, Not that big, yeah, goes into the corners and, and comes out with loose balls. Yeah. That's a Northman so, to a T right there. Yeah. And a fourth round pick, um, you know, he was on the board. So, uh, you know, I was happy to uh, be able to select him there. And, and like I said to him today on the phone, like, I'll you know, come in here and just, just come in here and basically do what you did for us there. And, and the chips will fall the way they fall. So um, he, he had really good work ethic and, and we select a couple other guys later in the draft, but, you know, you're just trying to hope, you know, that this is where I think you need at these points in the draft, you know, where, where when you said talk earlier about interviewing guys, you need to know a little bit about the person and you need to know about their character and yep. you need to know about, you know, their desire because. And if you not, can slap a double on a fourth round pick and, and get this guy into your lineup, like that's a major bonus as well. Like it's yeah, not. Listen, we've had some, we've had some huge success. I mean, my first year's draft, fifth round, like Ryan Dilks, right? oh. you know, and then and then we lost him to Maddie. On Maddie went to Boston on the eve of the season, and back then you could steal practice roster guys. <laughs> you try, you could try and sign them, and if if you wanted Man. to sign someone's practice roster guys, they either had to activate them or let them go for nothing. Right, and right. Uh, you know that. Ryan Dilks to Boston, dispersal draft to Edmonton. The rest and, is history. Uh, there you go. So we've had, you know, we, we've definitely had some success later on. Um, you know, you just never know. Kids sometimes just need an opportunity. And, and you know, you made the comment earlier about GMs, you know, first-round picks don't want to cut them because they look bad. I mean, 
I, I get what you're saying there, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you you got to play the best players, and if a sixth round pick's out, outperforming a first round pick, you know, so be it. I mean, it happens. Yeah, and I just don't uh, know if everybody thinks like that, Jim. I think that's the right attitude. Well, obviously. no, I listen. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah you don't want to, you don't want to draft a guy in the first. Uh, you know, you're admitting you made a mistake, but you know, I think at the same time. You know, if you know you made a mistake, don't make the two. Worst, the worst, yeah, go make another one and sit on it. Like that doesn't make sense <laughs> no, either. So doesn't. I'd much rather say, hey, guess what? I I screwed up. And and listen, like, here we go. Let's. Get, I'm going to give you an example. Okay, Not give that it we to made me. Made a mistake, but we drafted Brad Cree. I think ninth overall one year in the draft. He made our team on the practice roster the following year. He didn't get into a game because our team was was very deep and we didn't have a lot of injuries. So he sat on the practice roster the entire season. You know, he came back to us the next year. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, and partly because our team was real deep, but Brad didn't have a good camp and, and, you know, they made the decision to let him go. So, you know, but it still took him a few more years. Wow, I was going to say. To like, turn into the dominant. I mean, listen. You got him you know, back for free yes, from Vancouver. Exactly. Well, not only that, he went through Calgary on the way. I mean, he went, after we let him go, you know, went out and played in Vic in the summer. I think he got in with Vancouver for a year or two there. And then on his way to coming to me, he went through Calgary for a weekend at training camp. And he was just like, well, I'm going to go there. We were off that weekend. And he goes, I'm going to go there for the weekend and see what happens because at the time, I was saying, I think I, I have a practice roster spot for you. That's all. Yeah. And, uh, you Funny. know, thank God everything worked out the yeah. way he did. <laughs> now he's an Calgary, absolute weapon. Calgary had him in and out of there, played maybe a quarter. And uh, in their exhibition game, got cut. We signed him. And, and uh, pretty know, happy about that. that. <laughs> well, yeah, because that was a guy we were targeting big time then. But, you know, that was a guy that T loves coming out of Orangeville and. We had high hopes for, but it's just tough to crack a roster, and it takes time to kind of develop for some guys a little bit. Absolutely. Um, speaking of developed, let's run down the first round here. Adam Charlambides, uh lefty forward out of Orangeville and Rutgers, falls to the Warriors at number four. I thought this kid might have been snapped up a little quicker, but I like watching him in 2016 at the Minto Cup. I was like, holy cow, this this guy is going to be a player. He was just a skinny little rail back then, Jamie. And after the two knee surgeries, um, has obviously rehabbed the crap out of himself. And, like, I was, I saw a picture on his Instagram, and his, the size of his neck is, like, what the size of his thighs were back in 2016. It's nuts. And this is obviously five years later, but the, the guy – might be the most pro-ready player coming out of the draft. Like he's a man, he's ready to go, and I think he's Warriors. Twenty-five years. I didn't believe he's twenty-five years old. Yeah, like the Warrior. Like so. Warriors fans are going to love this guy uh, playing up front on that left side. Uh, Kyle Waters goes to Calgary. Then Saskatchewan picks up Jake Boudreaux and Ryan Burnable. San Diego. This was interesting. That like Calgary makes a trade. To, to jump up in the draft, and before they can make their pit, San Diego makes a trade so they can jump up in the draft, and you got to wonder whether 
they took Calgary's player. I don't know. Patrick Shumay, a local boy here in New Westminster, and, and one of the top defenders. I think I, I missed uh, Mike McCannell going to, to San Diego at number five as well, which was the first defender taken in the draft. But they, they load up on the back end with Shumay and McCannell, do the seals. Calgary, I think, surprised a lot of people at number 10, taking Justin Anaccio. Uh, but maybe, you know, looking to the future here and, and needing to replace Tyler Burton in, in the coming years, taking a really good faceoff guy. Like, the guy can win draws. No question about that. Uh, Panther City make their second selection. Nathan Greenon, is that right? Grennan. 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 Yep. Um, and then Victoria Boy, who apparently is moving back to, to Halifax. So this works out well for the T-Birds in Max Wilson out of the Victoria Junior Shamrock. So he'll be a, a product that lives in market, which is great for Halifax. It's exactly what they need. Jacob Dunbar out of Port Coquitlam, taken by the Seals at 13. Thomas Vison from Nanaimo goes to the Buffalo Bandits, says uh, Robbie Buckin with another first-round Bandit pick. They always listen to Buck for for their first-rounders, it seems, and, and it's worked out pretty well for them, so why wouldn't they? Hunter Lemieux goes to Philadelphia, and the compensatory selection, Patrick Kaschok uh, out of uh, Burlington heads to Albany to round out the first 16 picks. If you want to check out the rest of the entire draft, I've tweeted that out. It's on my timeline. Uh, NLL does a good job uh, on their website of just running down the entire draft there. But uh, pretty pretty entertaining first round there. Uh, I know you're a GM, Jay. I don't know if you can, can give me your synopsis on who you think the big winner or loser was in the in the draft. Can you do that? You probably can't do that. Well, I can. I'll give you my couple winners. I don't. I okay. Don't need to yeah, I don't want to call anyone a loser, losers, but uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but but you know, I'd have to say, uh, you know, Buffalo definitely made some noise, um, adding Tahoka and then making a deal to add Connor Fields. So mm-hmm. you know, they added two pretty big pieces. Like, how uh, do all those guys fit in that offense? Well, I mean, they all fit in there. It's it's going to be how does that ball fit in there for me? But um, they 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 do have a lot of talent up front there now. Uh, a very deep offense, adding those two, you know, with the four or five guys they already kind of had there. So, and you know, another one would be Sask. Uh, you know, adding a couple uh, pretty good defenders. I think they're both back at school this year, but. You know, we all knew their free agent situation and it looks like they got everyone back for one year. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, they'll have a couple of really good guys to step in next year. And, you know, if they were to, you know, lose some of those other guys, they should have replacements ready to go. Yeah. So, you know, listen, both teams that had multiple first round picks. Um, they usually me, look the best, right? To, to me, you should come away as a winner if you have multiple first round picks. Um, you know, I didn't have a pick this year or last year because I traded them for Jason Noble and, um, you know, I take Jason Noble ahead of any of those guys. So, you know, it's just the way it all works, you know, and how it works for you. But, um, I, I think Buffalo and, and Sask, you know, I know both those GMs were pretty happy with what they did and, um, I think I think they both did a pretty good job. As do I. I cannot disagree on that one single bit, man. Um, it was a fun night, and and again, anytime the draft 
you know, rolls through. You just know you're that much closer to the season, which is just a few months away now. Uh, fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Uh, let's, Jamie, that was 45 minutes out of the gates in quarter one. We got to take a break. We got Willie, 51 on the other side. Sean Williams calls to the halt next on Lax Glass right after this. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Casey Powell. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class as we're into the second quarter. Quarter number two means calls to the hall, and we got another Hall of Famer on the line. A career that's spent, well, it started in 1998 and went to 2014. A two-time champion in the National Lacrosse League, and now he's a Hall of Famer as well as Willie 51. Sean Williams on the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about it all here with Willie. Welcome, man. Uh, thanks for coming back. I know we talked to you a couple of months ago. Uh, good to be back with you, and uh, can't wait to chat about your career, man. How's it going? I, I Did I hear some, like, crickets outside you up at the cottage or something? What's going on? Oh, yeah. Just actually just got back from the cottage. We actually just spent uh... – uh, a couple of weeks down in the states, dropping our kids off, and then uh, just got an impromptu call to go to a cottage. Just got back, just sitting in my backyard right now. Happy to be on with you boys. Ah, good to good to have you on, man. I guess let's uh, let's start with with the phone call when you found out you're going into the Hall of Famer. Where where were you? What were you doing? And and what was the reaction when the call came? You know, actually, I was like pretty much in the same seat I am right now, just in my backyard. I was uh, just having a coffee with my wife. And uh, got the call from, uh, you know, an unbelievable uh, player and uh, what he's doing with our league as well. But Mike French called, and that was, uh, it was a huge surprise and uh, obviously very, uh, very gracious and uh, elated to be a part of this uh, part of this group. Yeah, it's a, it's a special group, no doubt about it. And I don't, I don't know if I've ever asked you, Sean, how you started playing the sport. Yeah, it was uh, my dad. My my parents were young when they had me, and he was still playing junior lacrosse. So um, I was at the rink when I was, uh, you know, right from the get go, and uh, followed him. And he uh, so he was playing in Scarborough Juniors, and then he went to Brooklyn. Then and, and I was uh, I have fond memories of uh, being at the at the Luther Vipon Arena, and that's when I fell in love with the game. Um, 1998. Ontario Raiders, and I'm just I'm looking at your stats, yeah, here, which is is just incredible with the Ironman streak that that you held for so long. But uh, 1998, how did how did you end up becoming an Ontario Raider? Yeah, you know what it was. Uh, I actually I actually got to try out uh, for Buffalo Bandits the year before, and that that was still uh, you know uh, I think they had a 10 Canadian player max on buffalo and i think eight was rochester stuff like that so there's a there's a max put on us and then uh but so i had a i did get a tryout and i you know i felt felt really good i thought it you know should have would have could have and then uh next thing you know uh you know johnny meridian's calling and says we're getting a team in uh in hamilton and uh we're gonna protect you as uh i think there was like five of us they protected uh pre-draft so we got to be a part of the you know the whole thing moving forward and then uh yeah it was an awesome experience Jamie, you want to jump in here? Yeah, well, I'm going to say, Willie, how are you, buddy? Good. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me start by saying congratulations. Very well deserved. Let me uh, let me start by asking you the, the, the easy question for us. 
So you, you see the nominees for the Hall of Fame class, and, and the NLL tells you that they're going to nom three offensive players are going to get into the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I, what are your thoughts looking at that list and and knowing that Colin and Junior are, uh, you know, what I would say pretty well locks. Um, yeah. What a great what a great list of people and and tough for us to vote on it. But uh, oh, I'd love man. to hear your thoughts. Got on my that. vote, Willie. Got my vote. Just put ah, that out you, there. Thank you. No, Mine you know too. what? Mine too. <laughs> Legit, boys. Uh, honestly, I was just. Uh, you know, I just I I I tried to talk with my my wife. I said honestly, whatever happens happens, and I'm uh, make you know it was obviously just to, just to be nominated. I was I was good with, and obviously yeah, you know I, I'm very glad to to get the nod. But uh, I was like, man, there's so many great players here. If if it's, if it doesn't happen this year, maybe it'll happen again. If not, you know I'm I'm good. Um, yeah. Yeah, just like it's a it's an unbelievable class, right? And haven't had it in so long, so there's extra people. Well, that's in there why and, that's my point, yeah. right? Like if it was it split was, out it, over five years, you guys are all first time balloters, probably. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in your own year, it's just this year. Yeah, we had, you know, and, and that was just the list of the ten guys that, you know, got in. There was obviously more. So uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it was uh, again, you know, uh, very very glad and uh grateful that I, I got the nod but i was you know that was great company with all of the all the nominees for sure uh a championship with toronto in 1999 i'm like five goals in 99 willie what what was going on like, are you playing hurt that year <laughs> no no they just uh you know what uh Doyler got hot and uh you know i was like third fourth right behind uh kimbo and and gill and i just i just I said a lot of picks, and uh, it was a little grunt, grunt horse. Oh, a little and, grind, uh, grinder action. Well, that just shows you you can get it. But you, whatever, but, whatever it took. Yeah. Well, yeah. you 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 win a title, and then off to Buffalo. Tell me the scenario there, like, it, and it was for I believe draft picks going back the other way. But what did you ask for a trade, or did they just move? Absolutely you? not. Absolutely not. No, I uh, I guess I was expendable, but we won the championships. So I was. I mean, I'm a Scarborough boy. There's no place I'd rather be than Charlie Bleep Gardens. And uh, I definitely didn't ask for it, but that's just the way things go. And uh, it actually probably helped my career because uh, I went to Buffalo and uh, took on a different role and got to, got to touch the ball a little bit more. And uh, you know, well, everybody, uh, when you play offense, you get to touch the ball. Everybody wants to touch the ball, so I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll take this. I'm fine playing with JT as well. <laughs> you know, obviously Toronto went on to great success. Yeah, but uh, you know, in my it was. Uh, it was. It was. I was. I was okay. After a while, it, it, I was stung a little bit. Obviously, no one likes to get traded, especially out of your hometown. But uh, man, it's. Uh, it, it is what it is. Well, listen. You put up forty six in in two thousand one with the Bandits, and then on your way to Rochester. Out after that, I don't like how, explain that to me. When you almost put up fifty, yeah. and then you and then you switch teams again. Yeah, that was that was nuts. That was a huge blockbuster. I think Casey Powell was involved, and Kruger came to Buffalo, and. Uh, I can't even remember. There's like four or five of us, or seven of us, I think, maybe switching teams. So that was uh, definitely an interesting trade. And uh, but then you get to, you know, I'm uh, was friends with Junior then and played against him my whole life. And then now it's like he's just like, let's go. And uh, you know, then I got to spend ten years in Roch, which was uh, awesome. And chasing, and we got to chase chase championships. Only got one, but we were chasing every year. So it was uh, it was awesome. Yeah, awesome some thought to be in. Some really good teams there in Rochester and, and the champion or championship coming in 07 and, and what was just a nuts year for, for you and junior really. Um, 
I put up the picture on Instagram that, you know, I always have the preview picture with you in it. And I actually have you in a Buffalo Bandits jersey. But yeah. more time and like, how do you feel? Like, are you going in as a Nighthawk or are you going in as a Bandit? I think I'm going in as uh, an upstate New York guy. I'll keep it there. You're just you know gonna what? sit right uh, on a fence. Political, right what a political answer. Well, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. It, it's sad because it, we, the the Roch, we don't have a Rochester anymore because they've changed everything. So I don't know what you know what I mean. It's just uh, yeah. that part disappoints us as well. How you know the Nighthawks are back, but the records went to team. Halifax, right? Yeah. So that's you know that that, that stings us a lot too, right? Um, but then uh, you know bookending my career kind of with Buffalo and obviously the finishing off and. Uh, the way it went out, um, you know, uh, with all the stuff with Tucker and, what, you know, what Loeffler did for our family and that organization, I'll always be a Buffalo Banner as well. That's without a doubt for sure. Yeah, Tucker out, Lymphoma Night, of course, now a staple for, for Buffalo Bandit season. One of the the most special nights uh, that our league has to offer, Jamie. Yeah, it's, I mean, I obviously, uh, you know, I knew Tucker. And, and listen, Willie, uh, Tam. You know, Dyson, Delano, like, you know, w- Willie, and I know Willie. Willie. Willie was an unbelievable, absolute NLL Hall of Famer. 1,200 uh, points, man. W- like Will, Willie, Willie's, Willie and his family are, you know, a Hall of Fame, very strong, awesome family. And all four of those people, and Tucker, too, what a warrior. And, you know, the stuff Willie's... I just have the world of ad- admiration for Willie, the way he was able to continue doing his thing and, and, and keep his family together in, in, in the most, you know, toughest thing anyone can go through. And, and the guy doesn't miss a beat and smile on his face and just a world-class human being. And, and uh, you know, once again, why I'm so happy and, and proud for you in this moment. And, and I know I know your family's proud of you, too. Uh, thank you very much, Jamie. Yeah, appreciate that. There's no crying on the podcast here, though, Willie. Uh, Twelve hundred and thirty <laughs> hey. points uh, in the National Lacrosse League, but like, I think one of the most impressive things you did in your career was the Ironman streak, John. And I'm sure there was a lot of nights where it was questionable whether you should be playing in that game. To have a streak like that go on. Was that an important thing to you, or was did you not even really think about it? And it was just like I'm 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 a lacrosse player. I'm going to get in this game whether I, I should be in there or not. That that that's the bottom line. Uh, it's just, yeah, you're, if you're good, you go, and uh, even if you're not good, you figure out a way to be good and uh, contribute for your team. And uh, obviously, fortunate enough to to you know not have any kind of serious injury to keep me out, but uh, obviously lots of bumps, bruises, and you know some flus you got to go through and all that kind of stuff. But no, it just and you get to play once a week. There's no chance you want to miss it. Like uh, our game, man, it was such an event when we were playing, and that's what we felt like. It was like you know just felt like a a boxing match every week. And you're like, I got to get in. I got to be there. I got to be in this, and uh, I don't want to let my teammates down. And uh, or my family down. So that's just the way, that's my mentality all the time. Just uh, do whatever it takes and, and get a job done. Well, you did it 280 times, which is just <laughs> my dad used to tell me an old line, like, you know, I'd, as a kid, I'd come out, you know, what he says, are you, are you hurt or are you injured? Because if you're hurt, Absolutely. get your ass back in the games. <laughs> Big difference between being hurt and being injured. As we speak with NLL hall of famer, Sean Williams, uh, 
I want to talk about, about your summer career with Brooklyn, of course, uh, and, and sneak in a little Brampton there as well, Willie, because that 2009 Man Cup, I don't – like, we, we need to talk a little bit about that. But how many manners in your career? Uh, can I just – Sorry, go ahead, Jamie, yeah. Let yeah. me jump in while you're going to go on the 2009 Man Cup. You, uh, you know what? Why Willie got won a 2009 Man Cup, eh? No, I do not. I know he was on Brampton, which couldn't have been an easy switch for you, but tell me tell me why. Well, uh, Willie, you want to tell the story you want me to? I will. At the, you know, <laughs> I, I just got involved in, in, uh, in Toronto there and obviously met Troy and Terry, and, you know, they're making this push for the Man Cup, and and everything was gone out of the budget. And I guess they had an opportunity to get Willie and he was the piece that was going to put them over the top. And I believe he went on to win MVP of the man cup he that did. year. He did. But the Toronto rock had to jump on board there for a last minute sponsorship <laughs> deal so that Willie could end up in, is that right? I actually feel a little bit responsible for that one oh, myself. No. <laughs> he, he, he didn't disappoint this performance, no. but anyways, no. I don't mean to cut. No, rock, that's okay. That's, that's great. Look, look that's good. On, yep. That's great exactly. stuff. So was it 99 in Brooklyn or 2000? 2000. 2000. 2000. So yeah, yeah not 99, bad. we're still, Brampton was still, uh, it was just before Pierre started there, and then we were always battling uh, Brampton, and we finally slayed Brampton in 2000. And then, is that the Nicky uh, Trudeau, Mike Kelly? Is that that year? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Wow, yeah. What a- we had a lot of little, lot of different young pieces and uh, with some older guys, and uh, it, was, it was an awesome uh, awesome team to be a part of, for sure. Well, let's, let's you know, flash forward here to 09, because, like, any time I have a guy on that was involved in that series, that the topic comes up. I had the pleasure to call that one, and – it's a man cup that I'll obviously never ever forget. And for those that don't know, go it went the distance, seven games. Uh, all four of Brampton's wins came in overtime. Game one, bench clearing brawl. Like at the dramatics at the end of game seven to get you guys oh. to overtime and then win this thing. Like, have you that's got to be the craziest series you've ever played in? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like. You know, I, I don't know if I was telling you guys this the last time, but um, yeah, like uh, honestly, on the bench, and we were, we were what, what, what I thought we were done, and uh, I just I was like, you know, you you kind of locking yourself in the moment. I'm like, man, either way, whatever happens out of this, you know, it's not looking good. But you you just played in the fucking best thing you've ever like. This is the, by far the best <laughs> thing I've ever been a part of, and it yeah. sucks to lose. But holy shit, man! Like that's what I'm leaning. You're just kind of talking yourself off that cliff, right? And then all of a sudden, wham! You know, the stuff happens, and <laughs> Carnegie scores his first goal of the year. <laughs> like, let's go! <laughs> you knew, like, you knew you were winning that series as soon as as he pumped that thing. Like, there was no question that you're going on to win in overtime after scoring that goal. Oh, absolutely! And just leave Brody Merrill on for the whole overtime. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was <laughs> Doyler had the winner. Um, did you did you have to pair off with anybody in that bench clear? Like there was so much going on. I was watching Rory and Paul and and Fetz and Brody. Yeah. And did you have did you pair off with anybody and just be like, okay, no, me I and actually, you, uh... you know what? I'll be honest with you. Like I honestly thought uh, Doyler was fucking dead. Sorry for swearing. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> I thought cause it, when I went over to him and I look at it, I just saw blood. I thought it was coming out of his ear. So I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is not good. And he had no clue where he was. I was like, this is not good. And then all stuff started started going on, and then uh, 
then it was like, you know, just trying to, just, just trying to keep your head up one. And then two, just like, uh, just following different crowds and, uh, making sure boys were okay. No two on ones enough. going down. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like that. And that, no one had paired off. I think I fought maybe like in the game two or something. Uh, I, I don't know. I had a, I had a small fight in that, but not part of the brawl. No. Oh yeah. Cannonball and Royker going Cannonball nuts. Had to, like, oh, Cannonball man. took everyone's guy in that fight. <laughs> And it's it's so shitty because the internet feed apparently dropped out right before the brawl started. So I am going absolutely berserk up in the broadcast booth (laughs) calling this thing with my eyeballs popping around, like trying to, you know, call every single fight that's going on. And then we get to the first intermission and the guy looks at me and goes, the feed dropped. And I just like was like, oh, my God kidding me you are nuts and i've still like i have still not had the opportunity to go back and watch that series with with the audio like there's there's rogue dvds with with the game tape and you can check out the brawl on youtube from somebody in the stands and stuff but i've never found anybody that had the the box dvd set with the we got to find that oh my god and like and i think it was danny dawson that that came on he was like like a 30 for 30 needs to be made about that series and everything that went down in it. Like it would be an unreal documentary. Unreal. So unreal. I think uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I'm going to be the one to spearhead this thing and, and see if I can get a couple of guys to, to start documenting all this stuff because it's, it's one for the ages. Uh, a couple yeah. more minutes here with, with hall of famer, Sean Williams. And let's get to, to the here and the now, I guess, Willie, uh, the draft just going down just a couple of days ago and, and you being a member of the Colorado mammoth, I would assume you're in the war room with, uh, with the crew. How, how did you feel like you came out of the draft with? You know what? It's uh, I think every team will see us, but I, 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 we're, we were happy, very happy with what, uh, what we got, you know, obviously when you don't get to pick till 20, you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're kind of hoping. It sucks. Eh? Just to sit there and wait like that. Like that's oh, tough. It, does suck. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> But then it's also less stressful because you don't have to worry about making the well. Everyone thinks you're going to make. You always see that you're going to make the the right pick, but then you got uh, once you have a lot of opinions on where you want to go with the team and stuff, right? It's tough. Sure. It's a tough uh, tough task. Um, but uh, no, we're we're yeah. happy for sure. Yeah, right on. And, and the outlook uh, for the the squad as a as a whole. Uh, I mean, a lot of lot of key pieces back in that mix as well, and and trying to pick up right where you left off. It's been it's been a while. Is there anything? like different or that you're going to do going into a season after coming off of, of such a long break? No, I, I think, well, that's what we're just kind of starting to plan and just uh, organizing our, uh, our camps and stuff, because, you know, with, uh, with the COVID and everyone's going to be in the same boat too, just having all those extra players that we just have to do. So it's going to be a, it'll be a lot, lot going on, but uh, you know, I, I'm excited for uh, all the guys that we've drafted the last few years just to come and give us a shot, give that, give themselves yeah. a shot. To Keep forgetting that you got squad. two years of draft classes to be excited yeah. about, right? Yeah. Jamie, you got anything here? Yeah. I got one more for Willie, but I want to let you get in if uh, if you got something else. Well, no, I mean, listen, I'll leave it with, uh, and I brought it up a little earlier, but you know, I want you to talk about. You talked about growing up watching your dad play. I mean, one thing I always love about these lacrosse families, and you're probably the one I know the best because I also know your dad as well. But just talk about, you know, the dad, the Willie, and now you got a kid in Dice who, oh, you know, we stuck. talk about a Hall of Fame at 1,200 points. But I mean, like, you know, 
I don't want to put any pressure on Dice here or whatever, but, you know. Long Dice hill to is, climb. Long hill to climb. Dice is a great player, and and I'm sure, you know, talk just, just talk briefly about, like, growing up, admiring your dad and wanting to be like your dad, and then having the chance to watch your son do what he's done to this point in his career. I, I think that would be pretty neat for people to hear about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I, uh, you know, I was – just like Dyson and Tucker were in the dressing room with me. I was always in the dressing room with my dad. I was always a ball boy. I was always hanging around. I was always at practice. I was just constantly all like I was part of their whole their whole team all the time, whatever team, Brooklyn through, and then he finished off at Scarborough. And uh man, it was just such a, a treat to go to the rink and then uh, you know, then you get to watch all these other you know, your when my dad was playing at Scarborough, they were playing against Brooklyn and watching all that's when they started getting uh, catching fire. And then I got to watch the Peter Bros of John Grant Sr. and all those guys. And then when they were in their heyday and even Brampton, I remember going there in 1980 man cup. And uh, so you just, you just watch and absorb, just always absorbing, absorbing it in there. You find your kind of, you know, some other players that you, you try something new at the, at the schoolyard the next day. And, uh, but just always being a part of it and him always just showing me and, you know, just trying to, Show me how to, you know, be a, a great teammate was always his biggest thing. It does. It's, it doesn't matter, you know. He coached me all the way through too, and it's like it doesn't matter how many goals he scores. Just, a, you know, what kind of teammate are you going to be? And uh, that was always the the biggest thing with him is just uh, being the teammate first, and you know, worrying about your other stuff after that. And uh, yeah, I had uh, such a great time getting to watch him all the way up. And actually, uh, back in the nineties, he, uh, you know, he he suited back up and we played a couple exhibition games no together way. with uh, with Brick. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Pretty cool. And that's when uh So you gonna you, know, you, he, you still got some left in the legs to suit up with Dice when he's when he's ready to go? Yeah, we we already did it, so I'm good. Oh they've nice. done that, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. that. I did not yeah, know that. Back in uh, twenty seventeen, yeah. Unreal. So I was like that that was my last one. I was like, I'm good now. <laughs> And now you, but, uh, you get to, to kind of do the same thing that your father did for you with Dyson. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's always, uh, you know, lucky enough to be, uh, you know, I, I've coached Dyson uh, for a lot of years, basically all the way, you know, from four to grade three junior. And, you know, it's uh, such a, it's a cool thing too to get to go to the rink and, uh, you know, you watch your son as well as just be a part of, be a part of uh, his teams with all his, his boys too, right? It's pretty cool. Yeah, memories for life for sure. As uh, last yeah, one here for you, how the Dalek can whip you now, right? Yeah. You know that jumbo. Yeah. Well, hey, I was gonna ask. Uh, I know Oakville and Orangeville have like this running beef on where the real Ville is. Is that the same thing between Scarborough and Peterborough? Like, do you guys have that I beef? Saw, as- I always saw. I always saw Junior in those in the heavy like the real borough is Scarborough, but. <laughs> We're always a B. We're always a B club, so it didn't really tough, tough to (laughs) tough to sell. It just fugs them, so you enjoy doing it. Same with those Orangeville guys; they get so bad to say it. Bent, (laughs) absolutely bent. All right, last question here for you, Willie, and we ask all our Hall of Famers this. uh, So I don't know if you're prepared for it or not, but here it comes. Uh, If there's one guy that is currently not in the National Lacrosse League Hall of Fame that you think belongs in, who is it? Oh wow. Does anybody do that? Where you go, oh, everybody wow. pretty much does that, and then they kind of spin their wheels and try and buy themselves some time. So I'll I'll fill in here for you for a little bit while you consider who that might be. It can be, you know, maybe a, a former teammate or even a coach or or a, a maybe a player that gave you fits on defense that you think might belong in there. 
holy shnikes, man. That's a that's a real that's a tough one. Just oh, all the, I thought you were going to give me a good question bad. there, Will. I thought you were going to give me. A good <laughs> I still, I need. I think I need more time. Okay, well, um, think back, man. Like, I mean, a lot of years there in Rochester, and it, there's like a ton of Nighthawks in there. Uh, then you got some years in Buffalo. Maybe somebody from the Ontario Raiders that was like later on in their career that didn't really get a chance to to get into the you know the the prime prime time NLL. Yeah, you know what? Uh, now you're thinking back. I'm just trying. I was just that's what I was actually trying to do quickly, but uh, I was the plates are freaking long. Well, you got your like uh, from that area. You got your Russ Herds, your Chris Gills. Uh, you know what? Uh, the first guy, first guy when you, you talk about that. But he didn't, he didn't play that long. Would be uh, would be like a Terry Bullen if he got to play oh. longer. But you know, I don't. You know, he just didn't play long enough. But I, Gilly was freaking phenomenal, man. He he's definitely a right because he Stroopy got in. Gilly didn't. Yeah, get well, right. they're they're both in the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame. But uh, I don't yeah. think Gilly's in the NLL Hall of Fame quite yet. But yeah. I think he's his ticket's I, coming up. I give it. I give Gilly a nod for sure. All right. He was, uh, Constant goal score, yeah. Great I feel guy. like I, I feel like I Great coaxed teammate. that one out of you, but I'll take it and you'll yeah, take it. Had to, you had to. <laughs> <laughs> and then listen, uh, he's got a nephew that uh, that's just on the come up here, and Mitch Nolay, who's who's going to be a, a good one as well. So keep an eye out for him uh, in the upcoming NLL entry draft in, in the next couple of years. Shawnee, this was this was a great chat, man, and congratulations on, on your Hall of Fame career. All the best uh, to you and the family, and I look forward to crossing paths with you in a couple months from now. Absolutely. Thank you so much, boys. There he is, Jimmy Dowick, Hall of Famer, Sean Willie Williams, and uh, he didn't disappoint once again. No, no, no surprise. No surprise whatsoever. Just an amazing career, top to bottom, summer, pro, all of it. And now doing great things as a coach at the National Lacrosse League level as well. It's halftime here on Lax Glass. Let's get to break, Jamie Dowick, and we'll be back with some quick sticks in quarter number three right here on the home of Lacrosse Classified, the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. This is NLL Hall of Famer Colin Doyle, and you're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lax Class as we move into second half action. And here, oh man, I did it again, Jamie, so I'm going to do it. I don't know why I wait until the third quarter to do this. Sometimes my memory's not so good. Uh, so I got to get a shout out to my friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear here, of course, uh, who sponsor calls to the hall, which you just heard with Sean Williams. Stampede, Jamie, tell me you've been on stampede.ca. Loading it up as I, we speak. I knew you were say as that. soon as you started talking, I know. Talker, I'm like, I didn't do my homework. I know. I'm going on there right now. I know you I so guess. well. Just order up a pair of blendstones, man. You will not regret it. Trust me on this one. You're going to be wearing these things on the weekly to your lacrosse games. Like, I'm not even – you can wear them as dress boots. You can wear them as just walking around. Or you can, you know, get out in the mountains and, and do some hiking in them as well. So – I don't even need to do the read here because I can tell you this right now. Stampede Tack and Western Wear, they've been in Cloverdale since 1966. And you can shop online. We're still shopping local. What Jamie is doing right now, stampede.ca. And they have Blundstones, like I mentioned, Redback Boots. They have Work Boots. They have Cowboy Boots. Any, like, I'm telling you, any kind of boot that you want 
is at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. So hop online there or get out there at the corner of 180th and Highway 10 and pick up. It's almost boot season. Motorcycle boot. It's almost boot season here. So check them out at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. And, and Jamie, as we get into quick sticks here, you can peruse the website. You can... You yeah, can, uh, I'm looking here. I'm okay. looking at the Blundstones. All right. Uh, you do that, and I'll get into some quick sticks here. And, and the first one's a bit of a toughie as uh, a couple of condolences to pass along to both Lyle Robinson, former Salmon Belly great, uh, three-time Man Cup champion, two-time Minto Cup champion, and one of the most feared defenders in the game back in his heyday through the 80s and, and early 90s. Man, this guy was an absolute terror on the lacrosse floor and a great leader as well. I coached his son back in, in intermediate in Coquitlam and, and he went on to be a, a long time belly as well and got a lot of time for, for one Lyle Robinson who uh, finally succumbed to his battle. It just gave it everything he had. So condolences to the Robinson family and to, to Justin Bosher and, and his family as well. His, both his kids, uh, great players, one of them attending down there in Denver university and, a guy that, that took all of his knowledge up to the interior and really kind of fired up uh, lacrosse in the in the Kamloops area. And Tyrell Hamer-Jackson, who's now a Vancouver Warrior and a Salmon Belly, like this guy would drive him down three times a week to practices and games and then take him back up. And just uh, a heck of a guy and, and part of the, the Tri-City Masters group uh, down here in the Lower Mainland as well. So condolences to his family and, and friends as well. And, and it all kind of leads me into uh, what we were just doing over the past week here, Jamie, at Queen's Park Arena. I can't remember the last time I called a game in Queen's Park. It had been some quite some time, and it was great to get back in there and, and call some lacrosse, although it, it, it was without the, the beautiful wooden floor there at Queen's Park. But due to COVID, they just didn't lay it down. They didn't do it in Burnaby either. And you can understand it because uh, they just didn't even think they were going to be playing lacrosse this summer. But we made it happen. Uh, Ray Porcelato, Paul Horn, the new S executive, and, and of course, Randy Clough with Extreme Threads and, and the XLL got together for a little three-game set here over Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. I, I mentioned this last week, Jamie. And uh, XLL, man, 3-0 and against those Sandbells. Great games, top to bottom. I think, uh, let me... Let me think back here. I think 17-15 in game one, 11-7 in game two. And last night, 22-16 was the final. Like, I don't know if I've ever called a game with more goals in it. And and one Dean Farrell, one of those guys I think that really deserves a shot at the National Lacrosse League. And he, I think he's going to get it after last night's performance where he put up eight yeah, I remember that. I think Wes Berg and him were boy was he would he be Wes's age? Yeah, he's around they, there. He's I think he's originally an Alberta prog that's transplanted to the West here now. Yeah. I've heard that name before. Yeah, heck of a player and uh he lit it up last night. Mitch Jones went off for like twelve points as well. It was an absolute crazy game, but I just want to say thanks to the Bellies and of course everybody at the XLL for, for making that happen. Like uh, it's you know, there's seven, eight hundred in, in Queens Park watching lacrosse again and saw the legend, of course, Wayne Goss in there, which uh, always warms the heart. So fun little three game series there. But box lacrosse essentially over here in the West. Uh, tell me, what do you got? Two more games with with Oakville and the MSL Classic going on back there. Where are we at with that? Brooklyn no, at the done. top of the we're done. done. OK, 
Brooklyn. Yeah, that ended. Uh, that would have ended, I guess. Uh, what are we Monday night here recording? That ended last Thursday. Okay. Uh, was the last game, so that's over. Yeah, really. The only thing really going on right now is on Monday nights we still got the Rocket League Pro League still running. Um, you know, a lot of NOL All Stars and stuff like that just kind of getting ready for the season, um, playing in the league there. So. You know, it's quieted down a little bit, kind of the calm before the storm, really. Absolutely. I didn't even send you the show road rundown this week, so this is all kind of off-the-cuff stuff, which I actually like a little bit better because I think I get genuine answers that way, and you're not thinking about it before I ask you. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Okay, so... Just a little uh, PSA here once again. Been hearing a lot of outdoor, indoor lacrosse, outdoor and indoor lacrosse. I hate to hear it, Jamie. I'm a bit of a snob, I guess, in that regard. Box and field, please. You with me on this? I'm with you on this one. Okay, good. Um, Saw a nice article come out. I think uh, Sports Logic maybe putting this out. Uh, The article with Wayne Gretzky. I don't know if you had a chance to see this, but... You know, like, I shared this on on my Facebook, and I got a big response. And I think just, like, the fact that you throw up the picture of 99 in the name of Wayne Gretzky relating to lacrosse, people are going to pay attention to this. This is awesome that 99 and Steve Nash and and DJ and all the rest are involved with this Vegas franchise. Well, 99's royalty in this country. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Anything with his picture or name on it, you know, people want to know what's going on. So I, I you know, I'm very excited about, about his involvement in our league and, and you know, hopefully um, some of the publicity that will go along with that. Heck of a player back in his youth as well. Uh, I think he, he might have made the right choice choosing hockey over lacrosse, but uh, apparently quite... Yeah, not a bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> the lacrosse player back in his day as well. This came across my timeline. I retweeted this thing. Maybe the save of the year here early on. Uh, USA Wheelchair Lacrosse Association. I don't, this save, check this out on my Twitter if you haven't seen this, Jamie. They do it in slow motion, which really gives it justice. This guy in a chair makes like this desperation head save. It's absolutely nuts. And apparently it was like late in regulation to preserve the victory or, or send the game to overtime or whatever it was. It, if you haven't seen this thing, I, I wish I had the guy's name in front of me. I don't. But this wheel head save with the wheelchair, uh, Dylan Ward agreed. It's the save of the year. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, talent, man, talent. It's awesome to see. They do a great job with that. Uh Joel McCready, former, well, he's still a current Stampede Stallion of the Week, Jamie, but Joel McCready last night at Queen's Park Arena, in fact, announcing, just kind of putting it out there, he's done. Uh, he's he's retired from professional lacrosse and, and summer lacrosse. He's hanging it up. And, and we talked a lot about Joel and just an amazing family man, one of the best teammates you're ever going to find, uh, a champion through and through, Everybody loves Joel McCready, and I just want to say congrats on an amazing career to him. Yeah, I echo that, and, uh, you know, he kind of knew that time might be coming near, and, uh, you know, he'll be missed. Great great ambassador for the league and a great player, and uh, best of luck kind of 
I know he's got a young family. Yeah, he'll and, be coaching and, and be around the yeah. game, no question about it. Uh, all his kids were out on the floor throwing the ball around and stuff uh, over the week as well. So you know he's he's going to be around the rinks and and he's not going anywhere. But always a real tough decision for for a player in that situation to make and decide. Okay, this is it. I'm I'm hanging it up. So yeah, um, he did it in, in typical Joel McCready fashion, where he just he didn't even tell his wife he was doing, it and then just said, "Hey, like I've made dinner plans for us to go celebrate." after this game sort of thing. So uh, pretty cool way to, to announce your retirement. And I talked. I was just talking about Dean Farrell, Jamie, and, and I retweeted this as well. All these things I usually – you can find these on my time. Like this is how I come across them. If I think they're kind of worthy to, to go down to quick sticks, it's probably because I've retweeted or, or tweeted it out on Twitter. So Dean Farrell highlights from last night in that eight-goal performance that he had, obviously feeling himself pretty good – does something that I have never seen before, and it actually took me back when I watched it because I, like, I was far enough away where I couldn't really tell what exactly he had done. But when I went back and watched this, this is one of the coolest ways I've ever think I've ever seen somebody score. Where he's standing on the top of the crease, the shot comes in, he literally fakes like he's picking up the ball and shooting it. The goaltender bites on it hook, line, and sinker, and then he actually picks up the ball and puts it into the empty goal. It's Boy, And he said that he has been trying – like he's tried it 100 times, and this is the first time it's actually ever worked for him. But when you're, you're, you know, you're on a heater like that, that's probably no better time to try it, and it worked to perfection. You need to watch this highlight. It's on my Twitter. Go do that. Shout out to my boy Adam Levy, who just became a brand new father, a uh, member of the Flash crew, and he's in our chat group and everything, Jamie, and and just one of the nicest guy, like literally one of the nicest human beings I've ever come into contact with. And the guy loves lacrosse. He just became a brand new dad. He couldn't be happier, and I couldn't be happier for him. So I wanted to mention that. And what else do I got here? We got to get our NLL 35 moments in, of course, Jamie. And I... This one is about the Merrill brothers, and, and I know both uh, being former Toronto Rock players uh, you can relate to, but the Merrill brothers, 2002, Patrick was selected first overall to the Toronto Rock. And then in 2005, Brother Brody was selected first by the Portland Lumberjacks, becoming the first ever brother duo to become first ever first overall. That's a lot first. First overall picks in the National Cross League. Pretty cool story. Yeah, it is a pretty cool story, and and obviously got to be a pretty proud moment for that family, lacrosse family, and uh, you know both very deserving of those picks, and uh, you know who knows if that's something that will uh, ever be, be broken or not, yeah, right? To have yeah. two two brothers go first overall, um, you know that that one could stand for a long time. Well, you would think the Gates probably would have had that claim, but they're twins. <laughs> <laughs> happen uh right. but you're right uh that's that's a cool story and those guys are going to be lifelong lacrosse guys as well and and probably both future hall of famers too and of course the hill academy and all the rest of it uh fantastic lacrosse family are the merrills so shout out to them and in, in nll 35 moments we'll have another one for you next week and we'll have quick sticks for you next week as well but for now quarter number three is done and we got to get to the fourth because it's stampede stallion time stick around we're back after this 
Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Matt Sawyer, the head coach of the Toronto Rock. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Back, final quarter here on Lax Class, fourth and final frame. We are in. Uh, I got to tell you about our friends that associate labels and packaging here, Jamie. I'm not going to ask you to go on their website right now, but eventually you probably should. Uh, they got all sorts of cool stuff going on down there. Active packaging is one of the most frequently used examples. Uh, their material is bar- barrier protection, which interacts with your product to protect it from light, oxygen, moistures, aromas, and anything else that it can affect its shelf life. For more information on barrier properties, uh, you can check out their website at associatedlp.com. I'm always just like, I don't know why I'm fascinated with this stuff, probably because they're one of our sponsors here, Jamie, but they, they do a fantastic job updating their website with all their new techniques and equipment and all, like they're always updating their website and I appreciate companies that do that because not everybody does. AssociatedLP.com focusing on people, ethics, quality and of course family owned there. Down in Coquitlam uh, before we head for the stables here Jamie I got to get this in as well. Don't forget to follow along on social media Instagram, Lacrosse Classified, Twitter we are at Lax Class. We got a Facebook page and an email across classified at gmail.com. You can follow Jamie Dowick at Jay Dowick. You can follow me at PXP, the number four. Sports, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and put down a review as well if you uh, can find it in your heart to do that. That helps us a lot. So we appreciate it all. And uh, Jamie, saddle up, partner. It's time to head for the Stampede Stables. <laughs> As you can hear, the barn door has swung. We have reached the Stampede Stables. And Jamie Dowick, it is your selection this week. We kind of alluded to it off the top. We actually alluded to it last week as well. And another, or I got to count them up here, but another Orangeville Northman is joining the Stampede Stallion Stable. Tell me who it is, please. Yeah, this week, uh, someone I've got to know a little bit over the last couple of years, I think a, a, a guy that was uh, a really good player and a really good teammate that kind of always played on teams with, you know, a couple more superstars maybe around him that stole all the spotlight. But uh, we're going to go like we kind of talked about last week. This week's Stampede Stallion is Rusty Kruger. Crew Dog joining the stable here, and I got uh, Rusty stats in front of me, and I think really, like, I don't really need to look at, at Rusty stats to know he's a stallion, but he, he, I think he's one of those guys that really epitomizes what the Stampede Stallion is all about, and and just an absolute gamer. I got a Rusty Kruger story that I was playing against him, and I think this... I think this was a playoff game. He was out here with Coquillum, and, and Doyle was a part of the team. I think even Shoot was on that team. And 
I absolutely laid like a just a vicious cross check across the back of Doyle's neck. And I took I think I took a seven minute seven minute penalty doing it. And Rusty like and you know, I'm six five. I don't know what Rusty is, like five eight, five nine. I don't even know if he'll remember this, but he literally just walked up to me and just suckered me right in the face. Like and it stunned like it rang it rang my bell. And I just stood there looking at him like, what am I going to do with this right now? Like, you just cracked me right in the face, like face mask, all of it. But am I going to grab Rusty Kruger and just go to town on him right now? Like, that would not that'd be a good look for me. So I more or less, I just soaked that thing and was like, man, like, that hurt, Rusty, sort of thing. Um, but that just kind of shows you that, like, the guy played with absolutely no fear whatsoever. But then has the numbers to go along with it too. Like he was one of those guys, Jamie, that was so good at finding the little soft spot on the power play, kind of between the, the, the shooter and the crease in that little zone. And he would just open himself up and just quick stick power play goals. Like nobody's business. Yeah. Smart guy. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think when you're not the biggest guy out there and this and that, you need to be, you need to be smart. You smarter than everyone else and do and do things a little differently and you know there's a just did everything i i always respected the guys that have the complete game yeah and you know so yeah you could score yeah you'd stick up and for your teammates and fight when need be you were tough and then you know third you were a winner and and you were you're part of a lot of winning teams so i think uh you know, complete player that, you know, flew under the radar maybe because of the people around him. But I agree with you. I think that's, you know, when I think of what you're trying to accomplish with these Stampede Stallions, I think, you know, like he fits the bill perfectly. There you go. From Rochester to the New York Saints to the Albany Attack to the San Jose Stealth to the Toronto Rock, the Chicago Shamrocks, ending his career in Buffalo in 2008. And and still suspended. Yeah. So two game suspension from the NLL. <laughs> he just said, Screw I'll never it. Let You're him not suspending me. Down. I'm retiring. <laughs> yeah. uh, 93 Minto Cup champion over my Coco Madnex that still uh, leaves a, a bit of a scar on me, Jamie. Uh, but listen, number 20, I, I know that's the reason Andrew Suter picked the number 20 because of Rusty Kruger. And I'll say this like, started out with Buffalo as a scout and, and has worked his way onto the bench now as a coach. And I think that Buffalo team really started to take a turn when, when Krug's got on that bench with that offense. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, JT as well, but sure. uh, yeah, yeah obviously. I think, I think they got a real good thing. Uh, they were got a real good thing going. And uh, I remember when Buffalo brought him in, I thought it was just kind of weird because he didn't seem to fit their group there, but, um, you know, it was a very smart hire and, and I think he's a very smart lacrosse coach and, you know, kind of like he was as a player. I think he flies under the radar a little bit as a coach and, yeah. and I think he's a good one. Absolutely. As do I welcome to the stampede stable to the crew dog, Rusty Kruger. You are this week's stampede stallion of the week. Great sense of humor on, on Rusty as well. Uh, Stampy Tech in Western where summer adventures are kind of coming to a close here. Still a couple of weeks, not Labor Day yet. Um, so 
Why don't you check out their Western gear to help you enjoy some summer fun? They got riding gear, horseback riding gear. They offer a wide array of motorcycle leathers, including those boots I talked about, Jamie. Gloves, chaps, vests. They got it all. Like I said, Stampy Tack and Western Wear, located in Cloverdale. Or you can shop online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. I, I, man, I cannot wait for game, like to talk about games again, Jamie, and, and get a little who you got going. Maybe some report cards uh, coming back on Lax Class as well. Games, man. We need the games. Yeah, we do. We do. It's coming. It'll be here sooner. Sooner than we know. All right. So we will talk this week about what's going to go on next week because we're at a Hall of Famers uh, to chat with until next season as well. This was uh, another massive lax class, however, Jamie. And uh, hopefully the people are enjoying – like I know we're running long here, but that's the great thing about podcasts is you can just hit stop and then start whenever you want. You don't have to digest it all in one. We hope you do. uh, But if you don't, that's okay too. You good? Come Absolutely. back next week. You're back. I'm back. I'm back, bud. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying it. And, uh, you know, as long as uh, you and people want to hear me, yep, I'm uh, I'm happy to keep <laughs> doing this with you. Awesome, man. Uh, big thank you to our sponsors once again, Stampede Tack, uh, the Vancouver Warriors, Associated Labels and Packaging. Uh, to the crew at Lacrosse Flash for always helping out with the posting and the graphics and all the rest of it. Uh, to, to you, Jamie, and Sean Williams, of course, for coming on the podcast. And to you, the loyal listener, for checking us out each and every week. We'll be back next week with another episode. This one's over now, though. For Jamie Dowick, I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.